Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Monday, July the 31st. And welcome to our commentary. Welcome to the very last day of July in this very hot summer that we're having here in North uh, Texas. Uh, we've had hot summers before, okay? So this is not the first time. I remember 2011 was absolutely horrible. But this one has been up there. So um, uh, when you hear about the hot weather in Texas or North Texas, they're not exaggerating. It's 100 degrees, and it's going to be plus 100 degrees every single day this week. And that's just uh, the way it's going to be. Well, a couple of stories we want to get into today. I have a post over at the American Thinker uh, this morning about the president of Colombia, Mr. Petro, who is apparently having problems with his son. Uh, his son, Nicholas, who has just been arrested along with his uh, ex-wife. They've been arrested because they've been accused of laundering some money for some of the cartels in the last uh, presidential campaign. Uh, Where it's all going to end up, I don't know. But it is an interesting story at a time when we have our own president up here who is having his own uh, problems with his son. And, And I think the whole idiotic nature of the relationship between President Biden and Hunter Biden may have hit the fan today. When this fellow came into the House, he apparently knows uh, the Bidens well, has done business with them before or whatever. And he uh, he said to the House that in 20 different occasions, uh, Vice President Biden had come to the phone while Hunter was with his business associates. And... uh, you know, what exactly they were talking about, I don't know. But, you know, I, have a, I had a discussion today with Bill Katz uh, of Urgent Agenda. We've got the podcast uh, that should be up this afternoon over on Blog Talk Radio. And we talked about this. And I, I said to Bill, Bill, does it make any sense for the vice president of the United States to come on the phone and talk to his son who's having a business meeting with business associates And the reality is that it doesn't make any sense. There's only one reason that the vice president would get in the phone and say hello to these business associates, and that is to confirm that he was his son, or or the other way around, that he was his father. And as this man said today when when he was in front of the house, there's only one thing that Hunter was selling during that entire uh, their entire meeting that he was having with this, these business people. The reason that he brought in the vice president was to sell the brand. And and that is really, really uh, troubling. I, I don't know how else to tell you. I'm not saying that this is the first time in the history of uh, of mankind that, uh, you know, people have tried to take advantage of their family name. They've done that many times before. But this is troubling because it's in your face. It's in your face. And to have a member of Congress, a Democrat congressman, come out and basically say, well, you know, they, they were just talking. I mean, the vice president just came in and talked about the weather. I mean, was this congressman seriously thinking? They, he thought the, con- the vice president was going to come on the phone and close the deal by uh, discussing the details of the business? No, of course not. The role of the vice president coming into the conversation like he did at that point was, as they say, to sell the brand. Where this goes, I don't know, because a lot depends, honestly, a lot depends on Democrats, and Democrats don't seem interested in pursuing uh, this particular issue. 
And frankly, most of the media doesn't seem interested either. So I don't know what it's going to take to at least create some curiosity that something was going on. But the idea that the vice president of the United States would come 20 times, 20 different times, uh, and and uh, come into a business meeting and say, hi, how are you? I'm, you know, I'm his dad and I'm the vice president. How's the weather? The idea that it would be that way is 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 really an insult uh, uh, to our intelligence. And I was watching, uh, you know, I was watching Professor Turley for a little bit this afternoon, watching a clip that he uh, recorded where he basically said, you know, this is, you know, this is peddling. I mean, this is influence peddling or whatever they call it. Obviously, Vice President Biden was on the phone to confirm that he was the father of the son who was doing business uh, with these men. I mean, that that's obvious. They were selling the brand. So, again, I don't know where it's all going to go. I don't know where it's all going to go because, unfortunately, as I said, the media is not interested. Uh, they're not curious about this. If if the, if this was about Hunter Trump, if it wasn't Hunter Biden, but Hunter Trump, the media would be connecting all kinds of dots and this would be a major story. But for whatever reason, they're just not interested in pursuing pursuing the story that at the very least, at the very least, confirms that Vice President Biden uh, has extremely poor judgment in getting himself that involved and was it is in essence uh, a business deal that his son was working in. You know, I think most politicians would have the common sense to stand back and say, no, you know, I'll come in and say hello one time, or, you know, maybe I'll send them an email saying hello, but I'm not going to come to the phone. I mean, it's obvious to anybody, particularly people in other countries, uh, that if you put the vice president on the phone and he's the, the, the father of the man that you're doing business with in the United States, that there may be a connection there. There may be some influence uh, going on. And to think that the vice president of the United States would have such poor judgment in in putting himself in that uh, situation uh, is amazing. And to think that Hunter Biden would show so little respect uh, for his father to bring him into a a situation like that, I think also shows, uh, it just tells you everything you need to know, I think, uh, about this, uh, unfortunately, very corrupt, uh, very corrupt family. Just a quick note, uh, one of the things that I talked to Bill Katz about today over uh, at our podcast was what's happening in New York with the migrants. And the situation in New York with the migrants is really out of control. They don't know what to do with it anymore. They have, they now have Thousands of people, some of them sitting on the streets. They don't have any place for them. And why is this happening? Because they play politics with the issue. They should have never accepted these people, or at least they should come down harder on the Biden administration to stop this situation on the border. But they were playing politics with it. Many of these Democrat mayors were playing politics with sanctuary cities. And now it's really coming back uh, to bite them, bite them very, very hard. And it's become a real political problem for the mayor of, of New York, who not only has this migrant crisis, but also has a crime problem uh, in New York City that is just not getting any better any any day. Speaking of crime in the city, I thought this was a very interesting development out of the city of Oakland in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area. The city of Oakland is another one of these blue cities facing very serious crime problems. And the NAACP, the local chapter of the NAACP, organized a meeting of citizens 
and went to the city council and basically said, you got to do something about this crime problem. You have to basically let the police do their work, stop talking about defunding the police and do something about uh, the crime problem. The crime problem in Oakland is very serious. And if you drive around or you go into certain parts of the city, I mean, it's, it's a lawless uh, situation. But the reasoning for the, the NAACP to, to say what they say, I thought the reasoning uh, was extremely good and something that I hope other people around the country pick up on. And what they're saying at the NAACP in Oakland is that the victims of this crime are African-Americans and minorities who live in this city. And that's exactly right. That's what happens in many of these cities. It doesn't really affect the people who live in the suburbs, at least not directly. Uh, it affects the people who live in the cities, who have to deal with shorthanded police, who have to deal with, in, in many cases, uh, just lawlessness, just crime out of control. And I'm glad to see that the NAACP is taking a stand, and I hope they do that in other cities as well, because this is a problem that, uh, unfortunately, exists in many places, Chicago, Baltimore, New York City, and San Francisco, L.A., all these places facing uh, crime -related, uh, a crime-related uh, emergency. Well, we're going to take you back to this day in 1990. We're going to go back 33 years. It was on this day in 1990, and I remember watching this on television, that Nolan Ryan won his 300th victory. Uh, that's a pretty considerable achievement for a major league pitcher. Not too many, not too many have done it. And frankly, I don't think anybody will do it for quite some time. You know, winning 300 games, uh, just to do the quick math, if you play 20 years, you have to average 15 wins a year. That's a, that's a, that's a lot of winning. That's a lot of not only winning, but you got to stick around for, for 20 years. And that's a, that's a difficult thing to do. So we remember Nolan Ryan who won number 300 on this day in 1990. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody.